Trending news right now. It's three minutes past four now. Let's look at what's happened in social media in the last 24 hours. Joined by Lorato Seking, social commentator and CEO of Decode Communications. How are you on this Wednesday, Lorato? Good morning, Asa. I'm very well. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for waking up and making time again for us. Always appreciate talking to you. We've got quite a lot to cover today. So let's start with hashtag public wage bill. The minister there talking about uh, the public minister, the public service and administration minister, Ayanda Lodlo, uh, who is expected to meet with Labour to discuss uh, the impact of a constitutional court judgment on wage increases. So this is uh, from Monday, the story. Yes, uh, uh, again, good morning, Asanda. I, I, I think I love uh, being in calling himself BRNGO. Yes. <laughs> uh, I love his, his energy. Uh, you know, he, he's late, but he still has a positive energy. Uh, yeah. I think it, it's good, and I hope, uh, you know, he, he's not keeping to his uh, colleagues too long. Anyway, so on, yeah. on, on, on this story, uh, for, for at least about three years now, there has been the issue around the, the public sector wage bill, né? where uh, uh, when uh, minister, the former minister of finance Peter Boeing came came on board, uh, one of the issues that he raised was the affordability of of the bill. Of course, uh, uh, he had uh, been throughout a number a number of uh, budget uh, votes that, that he had put together, but also just public statements, you, you know, indicated that uh, this was unaffordable. And of course, uh, COVID happened, and a lot of the public servants felt that uh, they, they got a raw deal with uh, the uh, with uh, uh, the treasury, you know, indicating that they will not be able to honor uh, the, the the three-year deal that had been signed. Of course, the the unions then went and took, took the matter to court. Uh, firstly, went to the labor court where they, they they lost the matter, and then they petitioned. The constitutional court when when the, when the, the judgment came on Monday, uh, not only did the court deal with the matter of uh, whether the, the, it was wrong for treasurer to have honoured uh, to, to have dishonoured the, the deal, but most importantly dealt with the substantive matter of its uh, 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 you know lawfulness and uh, irregularity to say that you know if they were to look at the genesis of the bill itself. The way it was uh, put together, it was ill-conceived. It was put together in, in in a way that it was always going to be to be messy anyway for for government to implement. And uh, the, the the biggest note here really is that to remember is that the the, the deal was struck uh, around uh, or when Minister Manusi Gigaba was still the finance minister, mm-hmm. and uh, the the judgment goes on to deal with the detail exactly in terms of how it was it, it, it is uh, irregular and cannot have been uh, a, a good deal for the for the state to to, to deal with of course now uh, what it, it creates a problem for 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 a number of reasons one there's a new minister of public uh, service and administration Nayanda Rozo, who now has to deal with uh, you know working on uh, working on ensuring that they, they uh, honor the, 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 the court judgment but secondly, there's an issue around the next round of uh, bargaining, uh, collective bargaining that must happen where the, the, the state and the, the unions must sit around the table and discuss uh, uh, or at least and then negotiate around the, the, the new deal. The question is going to be 
if they're going to be tasked amongst the, the two parties, will the union still have done by this deal? But secondly, uh, the, on, on, on that point, will they be feeling that the state, uh, as they are always accused to, to do, are they negotiating in good faith, in good good faith or not? The conversations a lot on, on, on Twitter uh, that really got the matter to trend uh, has been, you know, a, a number of points that have been brought in. One, people raising their discontent and displeasure around the, uh, you know, the unions and how they, they have really become, are becoming, uh, un, you know, they, they feel that they are really becoming an unnecessary tool, uh, considering that they, they lose uh, simple matters such as this. But of course, those uh, who I suspect maybe public sector, uh, public sector employees are feeling that uh, this is a matter that now requires for them to go to the streets uh, because seemingly they can't really appeal uh, the apex court's uh, uh, judgment. So it's going to be to be interesting to see what is going to be the, the next kind of response, uh, both from uh, the members of the unions in, in, in the public sector uh, and, and also uh, the unions. And what could they do? Because they are saying the dispute is not over. It's far from over. That's on the side of unions. They're obviously not happy. They have expressed their disappointment, but saying that uh, they might go ahead and strike. What what else can they do, though? And, and unfortunately, the, the unions uh, are found that they, they are failing to acknowledge that the the premise of this deal was uh, was ill conceived, right? Because when you look at the, the judgment, or at least. I did not read the judgment, but I read the media summary uh, from uh, the concourse, right? It details exactly, you know, the, the, the timeline and how uh, the, the, how the, the, the deal was conceived. But secondly, it then talks to, or at least details, how uh, uh, inconceivable it is for a government to be able to afford this deal. And they detail a number, or at least they, they list a number of key issues that they highlight in terms of, uh, you know, justifying why it is unreasonable. But secondly, how if the the money what were to be availed, it, it is going to really uh, it will have to be taken from Peter to ensure that Paul then gets, uh, uh, you know, gets paid. But which then means that service delivery will suffer uh, and, and the like. So, so for me, I think it's there where the unions. You know, knowing that the horse is pointed, they are they are refusing to deal with this with this fact, with this first uh, fact. And I, I was hoping that that's where they would start. But secondly, uh, to your question, really, is that uh, I, I suspect they will want to uh, show face and 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 really protect themselves because they still want uh, their members to have faith in them. Mm. They still want their members to continue contributing uh, to, to their um, monthly, if not uh, annual fees. Therefore, they are going to come up with tactics uh, that we know that will be will be useless. And I say useless in the sense that, one, uh, once the Apex Court has ruled, in this case, they cannot they cannot go any further. Right? They can't appeal the matter. All that they really have to do is to abide by the... By the, by the they can, study the court judgment, but they will have to abide by the court judgment. And even when they go to the streets, right, the likelihood is that their members are going to lose uh, based on, you know, even if they, they, they get, uh, they, they are allowed to, to have, to be able to, to, to strike. The likelihood is that government is may institute a no-work-no-pay rule where their members may then not pitch uh, for, 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 the, for the strike. We know that, you know, how 
uh, terribly COVID has affected many yeah. families, including the public servants themselves. Petrol went up yesterday by, you know, it's it just reached, uh, you know, levels that we've never seen before, and mm. inflation. And so, so there are so many sectors where I doubt that public servants themselves will want to leave a, a day's work, uh, a day's wage, uh, because, you, you know, there's an impasse between the unions and, 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 and government. So, so I don't see, I just see them painting themselves into a corner, but they will typically, you know, the unions will try and, uh, you know, try and rile their members, but it will be with uh, no success at all. Talking work, uh, work matters then on that topic, let's talk hashtag Tulas Naisi, who the uh, Employment and Labor Minister released the National Labor Migration Policy for public comment also on Monday, and the proposed law talking amongst other things that uh, they'll ban foreigners from starting small businesses in certain sectors. Also, there are quotas on the total number of documented foreign nationals with work visas who can be employed, saying that the research was done extensively and benchmarked uh, internationally. What do you make of that part when it came to this uh, drafting of the National Labor Migration Policy? One of the things that we must always worry about, Asanda, is that we have a, or at least, you know, just looking at how things are happening, we have a very reactive government, right? Mm-hmm. This issue about uh, uh, migration is, is something that is not that did not start in 1994, right? We, we, we know how Fanagalo got to be a, you know, a language that is used by different people in the mines. And precisely because people are coming from different areas of our country and of our continent to come and work uh, in, in the mines as cheap labor in particular. So, so, so this cheap labor migrant uh, system has, is something that has been, uh, you know, uh, a system that has been perpetuated even before 1994. And, and the reason I'm raising the issue around the, you know, the lack of proactiveness is that should we not have seen this as one of the policies that came up earlier in 1994 as ANC's part of ready to govern, right? Mm-hmm. For a number of reasons. One, South Africa had always, although there were sanctions during apartheid, it had always been relatively stable economically uh, and the like. But also, even subsequently, you know, when, when, when South Africa was doing relatively well during the, 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 Becky, the Becky era with, you know, a, a good surplus uh, in terms of, in terms of uh, uh, our, 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 our uh, budget, in terms of the money that, that we have, good, you know, a, a good economic, economic uh, growth uh, levels and, and the likes. This phenomenon had always been continuing where, you know, we had the, the Zimbabwe issue where we were dealing with, you know, quite diplomacy uh, on how Becky uh, was dealing with, with, with the matter. So, so I'm just saying that this is not a, an issue of yesterday. So what, what is very interesting is when the minister and his team pretends to have been working to say, yeah, there's some piece of research uh, that, that, you know, we, we have used to come up to this to this level. We know that uh, the, the stances of the likes of the EFF, the Operation Dudulas, and many others that have been sharply raising this issue are the catalysts of where we are today, right? And the fact that we are still in, only on public consultation, it demonstrates how knee-jerk uh, this has been. But it, take it even further. Remember mm. in, in, 20, in 2020, when we had, uh, when COVID started, uh, I think it was around June or so, 
there's a clip on SABC around with uh, Minister Peter Bowen when he was the finance minister who said there's going to be a new economy. And the new economy recognizes that, uh, you know, foreign nationals uh, are dominating a number of sectors, hospitality being one of them and, 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 and others, right? If this was a realization back in 2020, the question to the minister is, why does it take you almost two years for you to then put together, uh, you know, this policy that is now only now going to be going for, for public consultation? Should it not have been, you know, raised at, at, at the time? So, so it's, it's completely knee-jack. Uh, uh, but, but, but I guess uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see because we know some of it uh, may also have to do with uh, two key factors. One, the ANC's uh, uh, Congress that, that's happening in December, uh, you know, where, where there needs to be some report back on, on certain issues, but they will also want to put it into, which is the second biggest thing, the 20, 2024 uh, national elections, which will also be a key matter where the ANC will want to project itself to say, oh, by the way, on the migration issue, these are the things that we have done uh, that concretely you can say that we care about South Africans. All right. And I mean, uh, also working with Home Affairs on this and that Home Affairs has, uh, is reviewing legislation and strengthening border management uh, authorities, as well as releasing a list of scarce and critical skills that are in high demand to give some guidance in terms of where we need priorities. But then saying that uh, the last resort uh, in that in that list will be foreign nationals take possession of those listed skills only when the employers can prove that they could not get a South African to uh, take that position. That admin, do you think is something that we're even ready for at the moment? I, I, I doubt we are. And, and, and one of the things that has been worrisome in particularly how uh, there has been, or at least the response from government has been is that so every time whenever either Home Affairs, Department of Labor and Employment, it, uh, you know, representatives are interviewed on media platforms around this issue, when you then uh, on the on the other side of the coin, when when, when the the uh, industry bodies are interviewed, for instance, engineers, whenever you know the, the council for uh, the, I think it's the Engineering Council of South Africa, EXA, right? Mm-hmm. When they are asked around the shortage of critical skills, particularly by South Africans, EXA then says, by the way, we have a full database that can be availed to the ministry, the respective ministries. We actually have a you know, we have a good complement of these skills because we are a regulated industry as far as, you know, engineers who ought to register uh, when they operate in, in certain areas. So you, you, re- you then recognize that there seems to be firstly just an incongruency in terms of uh, messaging. But also, you then ask yourself, does it mean that uh, when government comes and raises some of these issues, whether it's, you know, indicating that there's going to be tinkering on, on the legislation or some new policies here and there, uh, does it mean that they do that without having done stakeholder engagement with their critics, you know, on, on those key issues? Because in, 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 in my, and I think it's, it's only logical, right, when you claim that there are areas where you require critical skills, surely the first place to go would be the industry bodies because they will tell they do this work every day as of registering these members. So, so I'm just saying that right. uh, the, the, sometimes government does not have to ha- have the wherewithal to execute some of these things. They need to collaborate with the existing with current uh, organisations that run these things. Of course, 
uh, if there's credibility issues with regards to the, you know the process and all of that, they could easily set up some team that then deals with those bottlenecks or or areas where of of, of concern, which I don't see government doing that. Instead, they would implement some or, or have some layer that will then create a new uh, you know bureaucracy that uh, will not take us anywhere. Two years later, we will still be here. 19 minutes past four. We're continuing with our trending topics on SFM Sound Awake. Lorato Sikeng, CEO of Decode Communications and social commentator, uh, joining us today. Let's talk now. The head of the NPA investigating directorate is a, we've got a new appointment there by our president, Ramaphosa, uh, who goes, who's Andrea Johnson. Uh, who was one of the first members of the now disbanded Scorpions and quite a list of achievements she has done in this space in terms of uh, her abilities to take on the job. Yes, no, no, th- th- this is quite an, an, uh, an exciting uh, announcement. And I say exciting because, uh, you know, one, one of the things that we must always be mindful of, particularly with uh, these kinds of app- appointments, is that Institutional memory is critical, right? Uh, experience uh, mm. is critical, but 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 also somebody who understands the system like the back of their head. Because what it means is that uh, you know Andrea, as she gets in, as she, she starts with a job, she started with a job yesterday uh, already. Uh, it, it then means that she's not going to learn anything new, right? It's really just a matter of uh, hitting the ground, yeah. uh, the, hitting the, the, the the ground running, and ensuring that. You know she gets on gets on with the job, particularly that if you think about if you consider you know the SIU has done fantastically uh, when it comes to PPE corruption. So that there are there are investigations that ought to be you know uh, uh, dealt with speed uh, from the from the NPA's point of view, and and she's going as she's going to be responsible for the independent directorate. She will then have to expedite those cases. The you know the the, the said report from the State Capture Commission, handed over to the president yesterday. Uh, you know, th- th- there's a piling up of those cases that also require, uh, you know, a, a, to be expedited. So, so as an old hand, the, the, it, it is good to see that she, you know, she has the kind of uh, experience, uh, but also uh, she, there seems to be trust between herself and uh, the, the national director, director of uh, prosecutions, uh, uh, Shamila Batoni, because mm-hmm. that, that has always been the thing, right? Where you know the, the frictions between the in, in the leadership, uh, you know, either stall some of the, some of these issues. Uh, one of the interesting things that is, you know, about the, the same uh, sentiment coming out of Twitter in the main is the fact that it's a woman on top, which is one of the things that that we you know. It should be laudable. We know that she is not employed or, or given this position because she is a woman, but she's a capable yes. woman. Who, you know, uh, but then again, then means that we are very mindful of the fact of maintaining this uh, gender equity, which is uh, uh, quite critical in the appointment uh, as, as we made there. Absolutely. So, from those who are being hired to those who are being fired. The Premier of the Western Cape, uh, Premier Ellen Windy, announcing his decision to remove Albert Fritz from the provincial cabinet uh, immediately. This after several allegations of sexual misconduct were brought against Fritz. Let's talk about that. Uh, Albert Fritz, uh, the former MEC of safety, uh, community safety in the Western Cape, uh, no longer has a job 
but interestingly, he no longer is a member of the DA as well. This comes at the back of him uh, having been uh, accused of, uh, uh, you know, uh, sexual sexual crimes, which was uh, investigated, or there were allegations and investigated by the Democratic Alliance. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, Premier Alan Winder decided to 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 let him go. But mm. one of the things that I think that we really need to be thinking hard about, and and this is something that I've been writing a lot about, uh, at least in the previous previous uh, columns and opinion pieces that I've that, that, that I've uh, shared in, in in the public uh, domain, mm. is that while you have uh, particularly on on issues of sexual assault, right? or sexual crimes, or at least alleged sexual crimes. Whenever somebody decides to resign or is fired uh, and they are no longer, you know, in the employ of, in this case, uh, in the employ of the, of the uh, Western Cape, that case should not die, right? Mm-hmm. Because they are victims, or at least as to the allegations, they are victims, right? So uh, th- th- this, uh, when, when I read the statement by uh, Premier Alan Winde, I felt it was a little bit of fake outrage, right? Mm. Why I call it fake outrage, it is because if he was really outraged, the report from the independent investigation ought to have been made public so that we know why he fired he fired Albert Fred. As things end, uh, you and I just know that they found him, uh, you know, not to be fit and proper. What does that mean, Asanda? Mm. Right? And we must insist on on asking what does that mean. In fact, the, the, the provincial legislature must uh, use the, 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 the respective prescripts to find out uh, or at least ask for the report to be released so that the public can know what the issue is and, if possible, uh, uh, you know, an official uh, case, uh, 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 you know, case should be opened with the police so that the matter is followed up and it is concluded. It is concluded accordingly. I'm just saying that there are many of these cold cases where people like Albert Fred, in case uh, you know he, he indeed uh, has uh, you know done what 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 is reported to that, that, that he has done, he ought to face the the, the mark of the law. It can't be that people you know uh, leave uh, or just are, are left to 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 you know uh, live freely while there are victims of sexual assault who then have to continue with their own lives knowing that, uh, uh, you know, the perpetrators have not, or they, they have not seen, seen justice. And I think for me, there's a grave injustice in, in, in how uh, this thing, this thing is, is, is really uh, panning out. Yeah, because Fritz is even going on to say that there's a political agenda behind this expulsion. So he's still clearly not dealing with the issue of gender-based violence. Uh, that the minister, I mean, the, the premier says is being highlighted here? I, I, unfortunately, and, and I think this is almost a typical uh, modus operandi of a lot of the politicians, right? So if you remember back to, to the, the ANC with Maria Franzman, remember the case that he had, the, the case that was raised of sexual uh, violence uh, when he, it was reported that he traveled with his PA to to the to the uh, to one of the events uh, here in in Gauteng, and he had uh, behaved inappropriately, and eventually the ANC found him guilty uh, of sexual sexual harassment, and you know he he, he then uh, lost a, a lot of his, his privileges, if not all of the privileges. 
he came and he said the same mm. thing. So, so, so one of the things that we must also observe is that there, there, there seems to be, you know, a playbook of some sort that majority, if not all of the males, that whenever they have to take responsibility, uh, they, they can then, uh, you know, cry wolf and, and, and claim that there, there is some, uh, you know, they, they are, in, in the words of Simon Levis, the, the, the Tinder Swindler, their mm. enemies, their enemies are, are, mm. are, are changing, chasing that, right? But the, the, and the point that I'm really raising is that until this matter goes to court, because the advantage with with, with court asunder, as we have discovered, is that the matter has become ventilated in the public domain. But also, when there's an accuser, right, they are likely to put an affidavit, you know, with uh, relevant uh, uh, evidence. Uh, you know, and you then have to have a responding affidavit, which then, uh, you know, exposes us to a new set of facts and truth. Uh, and, 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 and for me, it is this case that it is, if that were to happen, we are, we are really going to find out whether indeed uh, there, there, is a, there is a, you know, some political smearing campaign uh, against him or not, which in, in, in my view, and, and, and again, I don't want to bring speculation, my speculations here. Mm. One of the one of the things that I hear is that the DA actually knew about these issues as far back as August last year, right? And and I guess that is why I insist that if this report were to come out, we are then likely to know when did the DA know? When did uh, Premier Alan Winder know? Because if indeed he knew as far back as August, then this outrage, in fact, he must resign uh, for this kind of fake outrage because he knew of this thing. He didn't do anything until there was public pressure, and only now he is responding and acting. And the one who's, uh, who is fired and has now resigned from the DA claims uh, that, 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 that you know there is some political agenda against him to smear his name uh, and, and the likes. Mm. Well, uh, let's talk uh, going overseas or, I guess, internationally. Hashtag FIFA and hashtag UEFA, the international football bodies, they have banned Russian clubs from hosting or participating in football events, speaking, I guess, to the power of sports, especially football, in banding people together when it comes to societal issues. Uh, Also, I mean, just uh, hearing from the world, uh, the WTA, in the tennis side of things, Ukrainian tennis star Svetolina, saying that she's not going to take the court against a Russian opponent or even Belarusian players uh, until the sports governing bodies take action. So sports coming now to say we are also making a stance, FIFA and UEFA. Yes, last week when we had the conversation around this, that one of the biggest issues that or one of the biggest questions you raised was one on was on on sanctions and its impact. On you know, at least pre- trying to pressure the pressure Russia into not in invading Ukraine, right? And and I guess again, typically we, we, we've seen this, and and we are a living and when we South Africa, we are a living example of uh, how you, you know uh, some of these things could have an impact. Uh, apart from South Africa, there were economic sanctions, uh, there were you know we, the, the sanctions against uh, trade on on weapons. But most importantly, even other countries then started banning South Africa mm. from participating in, in international sports, right? And, and there had seen some sort of cultural boycott. So, so, so there had seemed to be a, a movement of some sort which then isolates 
uh, you know, uh, participants in, in uh, that you know would expect that they because of one they are generally you know people who would participate in international sports. Uh, now, when you curtail their movement, they are then likely to raise issues with their respective governments. And this is the case as well with uh, with Russia, where you know a, a, a number of these international organizations, FIFA, uh, the World the, the, the World Tennis Association, and a number of them uh, are including UEFA as well, as they they pull out or at least as they make out public positions with regards to uh, disallowing uh, and, and disqualifying uh, Russians from participating is uh, the second layer or another layer of putting pressure on on Russia uh, to reconsider uh, its you know its, its, its uh, steps in terms of in, in, in invading invading Ukraine. Mm. Of course, uh, one of the, the conversations. So as you observe the Twitter conversations, again the highly polarized uh, issue where you know a number of people are raising the issue around. There's a lot that the West has to do with in terms of, one, the narrative, two, pulling the strings behind the scenes in terms of, uh, you know, directing how FIFA ought to respond or, uh, you know, is responding and, and, and how it has, it has responded now. And those who are on the exact opposite side to say, you know, uh, the independence of these bodies is something that ought to come out. And clearly they are showing that they are not independent they are influenced by the West in particular, and, and the likes. Whether there's truth to that, it's something that is, is going to continue to be part of the part of the public discourse. But if you ask me, should uh, they be doing? Should they be doing this? I start with the or my premise where I start is that uh, two statements can be correct at the same time, right? Mm. One, Russia is a, the my first statement is that Russia is a bully. Two, the West. Uh, have also been bullies, and they continue to be to be bullies, right? So, what does that mean then to what 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 you're raising around uh, this issue? In my view, it is possible that it, it's not impossible that uh, there is undue uh, influence by the West on this sports uh, on this uh, uh, sports federation and and and, uh, and and organizations around the world to to put. Uh, this this kind of pressure, but is this kind of pressure required so that the bombardment can stop in in uh, from Russia to Ukraine? Absolutely, no life has to be lost because mm. there is a disagreement, uh, right? So if there is pressure that needs to be applied so that Putin stops bombarding uh, uh, Ukraine, by by all means, we need all sorts of peaceful measures and ways to you know cease uh, fire uh, and 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 uh, stop the bombing as it is happening uh, now. All right. Well, let's leave it on that note. And thanks again uh, for joining us. Uh, any extra plans? Anything out of the ordinary for the rest of the week? Uh, n- nothing Nothing really. Uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just excited that, uh, the, you know, the third month of the year does not, or seems not to, or it's starting on a relatively good note. We've not seen anything major happening. You know, if you think you go back to January, some of the some of the things that happened with Parliament banning, Archbishop Desmond Titus, you know, burial and the likes, uh, you know, the ANC mudslinging uh, with opinion pieces. Uh, if by all, or at least 
if the indications are by with the first day of March, I'm hoping that we keep this calm uh, for for the next 31 days. Can we do it for we the next three months? <laughs> Can we do it for the next three months? We need a break from drama. I'm, I'm, I'm taking baby steps. <laughs> we need a break from drama. Uh, being a realist there, I see. Okay. Well, thanks again for joining us and have a great Wednesday, Lerato. We appreciate you. Thank you, Have a good morning. Thanks. Lerato Tsikeng is social commentator and CEO of Decode Communications. Time now. 4.35, this is SAFM Sound Awake. Good morning. If you've just uh, joined us, I'm Asanda Peta.